Good evening, church. Let's begin our worship. Number 121. Come, let us all unite to sing. We'll sing the first and last stanza. Come, let us all unite to here that, that we can worship and we can come to you with with all of our needs and we know father that that, that you are faithful and, and you will you will take care of us we want to continue to, to thank you for all the blessings that we have in this life and and all the wonderful things that, that you've already done and father we we pray that you'll continue in those blessings as as, as only you know how but at this time father we have a couple of special special needs that we'd like to pray for. We have some that are sick in our congregation, particularly Leah Robinson. We we pray, Father, that you'll continue to be with her, continue to be with the with the doctors that are with her, continue to be with her family, that they might not may, may not lose strength while they're while they're caring for her. We we pray that, that you'll give her a full recovery, that, that she might be able to to, to be healthy again someday soon. Father, we're also prayerful for Lois Cox as she's waiting to, to 
be able to move into the towers. We, we pray that this also can, can happen and that she too might be able to be, be here with us. Father, we're, we're, we're thankful for this week that's, that's coming up. We're going to have a, have a vacation Bible school. There's a lot of people that have been planning, and there's a lot of people that's been, that, that's been doing a lot of work to, to get ready for it. And, and we pray that, that we'll be a light in this, in, in this community, that, that people will be willing to come and, and join us at our, at our vacation Bible school, that, that, that it might help, help this community and help, help our congregation to, to be able to continue to grow. Father, as, as we, 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 we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the sacrifice that he made. We're thankful for the love that he gave. And, and not only that, but for the example that he set for us, that, that we might be able to, 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 to see the, the way that, that we should live, not just, not just read about it, but actually, I mean, we read about it, but we actually see that, that what what he did and we continue to see the the power that, that he has in the prayers that that he answers in Christ's name we pray amen now to help prepare our minds and hearts to partake of the Lord's Supper let's sing number 332 Lead me to Calvary, and again, we'll sing the first and last stanza. <clears throat> King of my life, I come together every week to remember the sacrifice that Christ made and he made a lot of them he left heaven came down here lived as one of us and when you think about the crucifixion 
where he gave his blood and gave his body. I've always thought, though, the toughest one for him was when the father left him for the first time in existence. He and the father weren't as one. And he was willing to do that for us. And this is part of that sacrifice we remember every week that he made for us when he instituted on the Passover, which is one in remembrance of how God had passed over them back in Egypt. Let's pray and keep that in mind was the sacrifice he made for us. Dear Father, be with us that our hearts and our minds are focused on, on the love that you had for the Father and for us, that you willingly, you gave up your body that, that it could be sacrificed, that you didn't offer resistance, Father, that you did it because of love. Strengthen us in that love that you have for us and strengthen us in our love for the Father. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Join in prayer. Father, in the, in the same way that he gave his body, he gave his blood, Father. His blood that would wash us clean, that would justify him putting his spirit in us, that would keep us refreshed, that would keep us with you, that would also help us to escape the first death, Father. Help us to remember that, that wonderful sacrifice, but that that terrible sacrifice too, Father, that he gave for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Separate and apart, apart from the Lord's Supper, we can offer prayer for how well God has blessed us and given us so many material things, Father, and an opportunity for us to give back to the Father. You join me in prayer. Dear Father, you've so richly blessed us, particularly in this country, Father. Be with us that we give of our time, our energy, our hearts, Father. And in this particular case, Father, what we need in order to further your word in order to grow your kingdom, in order to bring more people to you, in order to help more people find their way to God, Father. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If you're using a hymnal and want to mark the invitation song, that will be number 501. Now, before Matt brings our lesson, let's stand and sing 712, Jesus is Coming Soon. 
We'll sing all three stanzas. <clears throat> series of prophets and we're still in Malachi and, and really um, Doug finished Malachi last week for me but I wanted to revisit it just a little bit because there was some um, there was some stuff there that um, you know I just I just really wanted to take the opportunity to emphasize one last time to you because I think Malachi is actually a really unique book in, in, in a really unique prophecy because it's one of the times where God clearly asks questions, and then He gives you the answers. He asks questions, and He gives you the answers. And a lot of time, and it's very plain as well. But you know, it's easy to take those questions and those answers and put them all on the people that Malachi was writing to. 
and not bring them into the present. So I wanted to take a little bit of time and bring them into the present. But I want to start in Malachi chapter 4. Doug did a really good job covering all this. So again, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not revisiting it for any other reason than I just wanted to kind of button this up a little bit myself before we moved on. For my own self even. So Malachi chapter 4, 6 verses, no problem. says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, that it will leave them neither root nor branch. He's going to destroy it all. He's going to cut it completely off. There's not going to be any life left in it. That's what that's saying. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Now when you hear that verse, what do you think of? probably think of Jesus. I also, but I think it's very interesting that he uses S-U-N versus S-O-N like we're so used to seeing um, so often. But I, that's what I believe. He's talking about Jesus. There's going to be healing in its wings. He's talking about Jesus. You will ride on the wings like eagles, right? And rest under his wing. Lots of Old Testament scriptures that kind of point to that too. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Now I want you to see something really quick, because I really believe that there's two things that Malachi is talking about in these six quick verses. He's talking about the very end, but he's also been talking about when Jesus comes. In chapter 3, and this is another part where he kind of is referring to when Jesus comes. So verse 4 says, remember the law of my servant Moses. He's already been talking about the Levitical law and being like Levi and how they left their way. The statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Specifically um, from that, that he's talking about um, not just the Pentateuch, but more specifically consider the Ten Commandments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. When did Elijah come? Yeah. You know what's amazing? If you go and you look, I'm pretty sure it's Luke 1, 14. Don't. I'm not guaranteeing that. But it's somewhere right there. Okay? If you look at Luke 1, 14, this verse 6 is exactly what they say about John the Baptist. Exactly. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers of their children and the hearts of the children of their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, I've heard people say this is why they believe in reincarnation, because obviously John the Baptist was a reincarnation of Elijah. I'm not 100% sure that's what Scripture's saying. I'm certainly sure, though, that Scripture's not saying that, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to be reincarnated until you figure it out. Just want to throw that out there. I've heard that many, many times as an argument. Um, just a little side note. So clearly he's talking about the time of Jesus. And clearly he's also talking about the end of times. Because when he's talking about the enemy being crushed under the foot. This is end of time prophecy. Even in Hebrews, um, the Hebrew writer talks about it from this language. And he is clearly talking not about when Jesus died on the cross. Even though... Satan was defeated at the cross, even though death was defeated at the resurrection, even though sin no longer has dominion over you, evil is still part of what you deal with every single day. It has not been destroyed. 
It has not been completely subdued. There is not anything left of it, like the root and the branch have been completely cut off. It has not been destroyed. So I want you to see that. He's talking about two different times. He's talking about Jesus. What Jesus is going to do, but he's also talking about the end when he comes back. But, that's really not where I wanted to focus, but I wanted to share that. Because I want you to see again, again, one more time, how often the Bible, especially through the Old Testament and the prophets, the men who are speaking for the Lord, speaking the very words of God, how many times God tells you how important it is to fear Him, to revere Him, to respect Him, to hold Him in high esteem. You know, that's what's going to save you from destruction. That's what keeps you from just doing your will all the time. That's what keeps you from talking yourself out of God's Word and into your own way. It's the reverence and the fear of the Lord. And I know for me personally, at times where I'm making my biggest mistakes in my life, it's usually the absence of fear of the Lord that has put me in that place. This is what I wanted to focus on, just real quick. These questions. Such a unique part of the Bible. Because he makes it so plain. And yeah, at the beginning, don't forget, at the beginning, the first two chapters, he's really talking primarily to the priest. Remember, I told you, it was personal to me. It was, it was kind of a scary thing to preach because he's talking to the preachers. He's talking to the ministers. He's talking to those who were of the, uh, the Levitical priesthood. But the second part of Malachi, he's talking to every one of us. He's talking to all God's people. And you know what the truth is? You can't put one over the other because they all struggle with the same stuff. Isn't that true today? Your struggle might be a little different than mine, but at the end of the day, we all just struggle with the same stuff. So how do you despise God? How do you despise the name of God? That's the first question. That's the first question they say, that God says, I mean, that they ask him. Oh, you say we despise, how do we despise you? And if you remember, he was talking about polluted offerings. He even said that they were, they were, they despised the offering so much that they had to, they were bringing blind animals, paralyzed animals. What was it supposed to be? Unblemished. Supposed to be the cream of your crop. The best that you had, not your first, not your last. But they despised it. Now I'm gonna admit to you that this specific question and the question later when he's gonna say, and you ask how do we rob God? Man, I could have, I could have just put these two together. But I wanted to take each question one at a time, okay? But I could have put them together because the context of the scripture I'm going to use, it talks to both. It talks to both these questions. The polluted offerings. Here's what you were supposed to bring. Here's what you brought. Why? Because of your heart. 
Because of the fact that you despise it? Why is God even making me give him this? What does he really need it for? I mean, at the end of the day, what are you doing with that? You're putting it on a fire. You're burning it up. Sure, the priests are going to get fed by it, but who else is really benefiting from it? You're going to give the fat to God, he's going to burn it up. If you don't believe in God, what is it? It's just an animal to be thrown on the fire. And if you're doing that to save face or to, to look good in front of other people, at the end of the day, you're going to despise it, aren't you? You're taking one of your best, you're just burning it up? That's why I became polluted. See, it wasn't even the fact. It, it was the, remember how I said, would you bring that to one of your officials? Would you bring that to your governor? Is that type the gift you would give to somebody who rules over you? No, of course not. That despising comes from the fact that they didn't even believe God. They didn't see any point in worshiping God. But we're going to get to that. So I just wanted to kind of bring this into the New Testament a little bit, each one really quick. Matthew chapter 6. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. You know why they're hypocrites? Because they're giving to be praised. Because giving, because it's the right thing to do, knowing you're going to be honored by your Father in heaven, that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. They needed everybody to know they were making sacrifice. They needed everybody to know they were being generous. They needed it to be announced so that they could be praised. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Seemed pretty harsh, didn't it? I mean, every time I read it, I still think, whew, I definitely made worse mistakes than them. But what did they do? They sold their land, and instead of giving all the money, even though they told everybody, hey, we sold our land, we took every single dime that we got on it, and we gave it to God, that's not what they did, they withheld. So why would they lie about it? Why not just be honest? Why not just say, hey guys, you know, we sold the land, we made a great profit, and I gave, I took half of it for myself, and I took half of it and I gave it to God. They could have done that, that's not what they did. Why didn't they do that? Because they wanted to receive the praise from men. They wanted glory for what they were doing. To the point to where they were even willing to lie about it. He says, truly I say unto you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't do it to be praised. That's a little bit different than what they were dealing with, but we're going to catch back up when we get to robbed, I promise you. Why won't God accept the offering even with tears and sadness? And you remember what God said? He said, because you're faithless. Because you're faithless. Because you never have been honest in your relationship with me. You have never been faithful in your relationship with me. And you know... Took me to old Enoch. I mean, you know, Esau. Sorry, it's been a long couple days. Took me to Esau. We say it all the time. He sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. That's what he did. At the end of the day, he cared less about his birthright in that moment than he cared about his bowl of soup. Because somewhere in his mind, he decided he was going to die if he did not eat that soup. Or whatever it was. 
At the end of the day, look at what the Hebrew writer says about him. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to start in verse 15 just to read the whole thing. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. By it, many will become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. This is exactly what God says to the priests. He says, you're going to make your offering, you're going to come to the altar again, you're going to seek me out, and I'm not going to hear you, I'm not going to be there, even though you seek it with tears. Why? Because you sold me out for nothing. You sold me out for nothing. You left me for a meal. You left me, the kids might call it a snack. You left me for nothing. You're faithless. The only time you want me around is when I'm giving you something. You're faithless. This one, oh, this is the one for me. This is the whole one for me when it comes to the relevance that we're dealing with today. I mean, every one of, all of this is relevant. God's word is always relevant. That's not what I'm saying. But this one, of all things, wait till we get to the other side of this, but how have you wearied God? You're wearing him out. Why are you wearing him out? How have you wearied him? He gets tired, right? How many times have you seen God tired? I didn't think God got tired. I didn't think God got worn out. How many times have you seen him get tired in the Bible? Well, he made creation in six days. On the seventh, he rested. Was it because he was tired? Was he worn out? Or was he setting an example? Probably setting an example. Probably not tired. Well, what about um, the flood? When he said, I wish I'd never even made man. Remember when he said that? You think he was tired of man then? I think he was weary and tired. I think he was worn out. Later on, we, we skip this in the moments with Moses. But later on, with Moses, you remember that moment where he says, you know what? I'm just going to wipe everybody out. I'm sick of this, Moses. We'll just start over with you. I'm going to wipe everybody out. I'm sick of it. They're unfaithful. They do whatever they want. The promise can still be fulfilled through you, Moses. Don't worry. And Moses is like, you probably shouldn't do that, God. Think he was tired? That's the weary I want you to see. Because that's exactly what he's talking about. He says, how do you weary God? How do you get God to the point to where he is over it? You ever get over it yourself? You ever get to that point where you're like, that's it? I'm done, I can't take no more, here's my line, you pass it, you're gonna get the claws, you're gonna get the nails, you're gonna get the whatevers. That's the question, how are we worried God? And, and look what it says, it says they taught evil as good. Oh, it's good to do these things, it's fine. God loves these things, he's pleased when you do these evil things, it's okay. And they question God's justice. They question God's justice. And I'm telling you, to me, again, I stopped at this last time we talked. I didn't bring this scripture in, but I want you to see it 
for what it is, but they question God's justice. And that is what you see every single day when you turn on your TV and you listen to the culture that is anti-God right now, preaching their religion to you, their way to you, their philosophy to you, it is questioning God's justice. And it is taking what is evil and saying, no, 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 it's good. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus, he's dealing with them Pharisees and scribes. And of course, they're trying to catch him in a trap. And the Pharisees and scribes come to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do, you why do your disciples break the tradition of the what? Elders. The tradition of the elders. For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Anybody else think that's kind of a bad rule to break? It's kind of gross. How dare you not wash your hands before you eat? Could you imagine someone coming up and basically being like, don't you realize you're all supposed to wash your hands? Like this is the worst thing you could have ever done. That's kind of the way they're playing the game with him. You should wash your hands before you eat. You shouldn't be killed for it when you forget. It's not a bad rule. It's just not a law. It's not God's word. It's not something that God told us to do. It's something that the elders told us to do. For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them. And why do you break the commandment of God? See how he brings it right back, but he brings it to the real authority. He says, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles the father or mother must surely die. Look what they said, though. Look what they said. But you say, talking to the Pharisees, talking about them elders and those traditions that they made, not the word of God, not the commandment of God, the, the, the traditions. If anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. Right? I'm sorry. I had a whole flock of uh, sheep for you, but I sacrificed all of them to God. I'm sorry. What was supposed to be yours, I took and I gave it to God. Oh. Sounds all right. Doesn't sound like the worst thing either. But then he says, he need not honor his father. And then he says, so for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. In other words, your tradition has now superseded what the word of God originally said. You have taken something that has been adapted from the word of God and change the rules that were prescribed by God. Now your tradition is more important than the word of God. He says, you hypocrites. Did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said the people honor me with their lips, but with their heart is far from me? In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You know, that's one thing I promise you we're not going to do. I promise you I'm going to do my best to interpret the word of God as I teach. But I also promise you I'm not going to always be right. But one thing I will never do is replace where we have adapted. We have adapted from our culture to replace the word of God. We will never do that. We're just going to take the word of God the way it is. 
How do you weary God? You make your traditions more important than the word of God. You make your understanding of the world more important than the word of God. You change the word of God to fit the way you see the world versus just following the word of God. That's how you weary God. That's how you tire him out. Remember, I told you guys there was going to be a return. How shall we return to God? Return to me. Now we'll return to you. That's what he tells them. It's what he's been telling them. That's almost every single book of the Bible that you read. There comes a time where God's like, this isn't looking good, people of God. You need to turn from your evil ways. And he says this over and over and over in Scripture. James 4 is my favorite version of it because it states it clearly. But this is the message of God over and over in Scripture. All the time. Hey, you're on the edge. Hey, disaster is around your corner because of the way that you are living and the way you are not following my word. But if you would just turn from those ways, if you would just repent of your evil ways and you would turn your heart back to God, I will restore you and I will bless you. It's over and over and over. James, the brother of Jesus, says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then he says this, Wash your hands before you eat. No, he didn't say that. Just making sure you guys were paying attention. He said, Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Why? Why does he want you to be wretched? That doesn't sound like God. Why does he want you to mourn? Why does he want you to weep? That's the fear of the Lord, you guys. That's the reverence. That's understanding your place in this world and the salvation through grace and mercy alone. Not because you can earn it, because you are wretched. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. He's not saying he wants you to live a life of depression. He's saying he wants you to understand your place. That's why he finishes with humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will exalt you. Not just in heaven. Not just at the end. He will elevate you in this life. Maybe not in some position of status, but your life. When you live a life of godliness and righteousness, your life is better. He will exalt you. But you've got to humble yourselves first. And you've got to resist the devil. Flee from him. Turn to God. And he will return to you. Okay? Now, he says, how have we robbed God? And this is tithe and contribution. You know why? They weren't even giving it. They weren't giving it. And if they were giving it, they weren't giving it to the level they were supposed to give it. And even if they were giving it to the level they were supposed to give it, then they were regretting that they even had to do it. I was thinking of Mark. Chapter 11. When Jesus walks into the temple and he tells everybody. He starts flipping over the change tables. Why was he flipping over the change tables? Because they were robbing the people as they walked in the door. They were making them. You, you, you go to a theme park, right? How much is a Coke? It's like 10x what it's really supposed to be. Let's be honest. 
Mickey Mouse's Coke is the most expensive Coke in the entire world. And every theme park's like that. But you know it when you go in. And they know they've got you trapped because at the end of the day, you can't bring something in. So if you want to drink while you're there, guess what? You're going to pay their price. That's the temple of God. They're robbing people as they walk in the door. Everything's more expensive. The, the exchange rates are bad. Not in your favor. Everything that you buy there while you're there is going to cost you more than it should. And Jesus says, don't you know? My house is supposed to be a house of prayer. And look what you've made it. You've made it into... A way of robbing the people of God to make yourselves more money. Right? You say, I don't know. That's, he, even, he even says you turn it into a den of robbers. I don't know, Matt. That might not be the greatest interpretation I ever heard you say. Well, look at what Jesus says in Matthew 23 to the same people. They're arguing about the temple. They're arguing about the altar. They're arguing about the gold. They're arguing about the, the offering. And look at their rules. Look at their traditions. Look at their elders' traditions. Look at how they approach things. They say, hey, if you swear by the temple, no big deal. But if you swear by the gold that's of the temple, you're bound to that oath. If you swear by the altar, no big deal. No big deal at all. But if you swear by the offering that you have put on the altar, you're bound to that oath. What's God say? What does Jesus say in this moment? He says, what actually makes everything sacred? What makes the gold of the temple sacred? The God that dwells in it. What makes the offering on the altar sacred? The God that's being sacrificed to. The God that's being offered to. They're more worried about what? The value. They're more worried about the numbers than worshiping God. It's the same thing. Just a little bit different. You know, if, can you imagine going to a church where every single Sunday they made a huge deal about your tithe and your contribution and that's what was most important. It wasn't about your life. It wasn't about your heart. It wasn't about your mind. It wasn't about you internally. It was about what are you giving us externally? What are you physically offering to the church? I think that's an important part. That's also how I become a Pharisee, right? I'm only doing things on the outside and I'm not doing anything on the inside. What am I? We're getting close. How have we spoken against God? How have we spoke against God? He says, vain. They said it's vanity. It's just vain. It's just senseless to serve God. It doesn't really have, there's no gain to it. There's no positive thing to it. There's no real reason. No, I can't have any logical reason to follow God. Because at the end of the day, righteous doesn't make you prosperous. Righteousness isn't what how, how gives you physical gain in this life. 
It seems like the people who are following evil, they're the richest people in the world. And you know what? Even though they do evil things and even though they do bad things, they don't ever get caught. They escape justice. Nothing's ever going to happen to them. You ever hear that these days? I hear that all the time. Oh, nothing's ever going to happen. Everybody can see things that are going on in this world, but it doesn't really matter because nothing's really going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. God is the God of justice. Don't forget, don't forget that. He promises you over and over and over again. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross. Because he's just. And there was a righteous requirement of the law. But I wanted you to think about this from this perspective. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says this. He says, I've told you many times that you are going to meet opposition. That there are going to be people who are literally enemies of the cross. And they're going to speak out against God, and they're going to try to lead the world astray, and yada, yada, yada. You can say whatever you want. That's what he's saying. But he says, I tell you this with tears. Don't look at them and think, I want to be like them. Look at them. They might be evil, but hey, they're living a better life than we are. That's the trick of the devil. He says, look at them with tears in your eyes. Why? Their end is destruction. Their end is destruction. Your end is salvation. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. In other words, they're greedy. They're never satisfied. You eat a meal, in a few hours, guess what you are again? You're hungry. You can't live in a place, in a state of satisfaction. You're just hungry all the time, so you're constantly eating and you're never fulfilled. Their glory, they glory in their shame. Their best parts of their life are things that are meaningless. Holds no real weight. And their mind is set on earthly things. They're in the trap. They're in the trap. That's why he says with tears in my eyes, I said this to you. He feels bad for them. They might be prospering now on earth. It might feel like evil never gets punished and always escapes. Guess what? They're not going to for sure in the end. They're in his destruction. So ultimately, the things that I found to be repetitive in all of this is pride, hardness of heart, and lack of fear of the Lord. And this is where I wanted to end tonight. Because I am telling you, especially for our young people, and so many of them, I guess tonight, decided not to come in. But this is the trick of the devil. And they are deceiving the young people. You cannot flip on social media without seeing people who are living lives that are clearly not godly, looking like they're prosperous and having a wonderful life. And you have all these Christian kids that are growing up in a world where it seems like, man, all I do is try, fight, struggle to be better. And these people are over here living their best life. It's a trick. It's a trick. Their God is their belly. They're never fulfilled. They might look like it for 30 seconds on a short little TikTok video, but it's not real. 
So I am with Hebrews 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in His blood? At the end of the day, it's His blood that gives us salvation. Without it, we, we have done. Have you been added to the kingdom? Received the gift of the Holy Spirit? God dwelling with you, going with you every single day. Helping you discern right from wrong. Speaking on your behalf when you don't have the words to say with groans so deep that it moves God for you. Interceding for you. Restoring you. Bringing you back. For those of us who have. Can we relate to any of these questions? Have we ever felt this way? Do we live a life that maybe God would be saying these questions to us? Or we live in a life that brings glory to God? It's impossible to do it every second of every day, but is that our goal? Is that our mindset? Or is our God our belly? If you have a need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing.
Thank you, Matt. Thanks for those words. Uh, Malachi, it's tough words. Uh, the last words God sent to his people for uh, for 400 years before he before he sent John the Baptist to usher in his, his son. Um, it'd be tough to hear, hear those words at the end and prepare generation after generation to, uh, to come back to him. Uh, grab yourself a bulletin if you got one. They're out there in the foyer. I'll try to highlight a couple things. This week is Vacation Bible School Week. I still think it stands for, VBS stands for very big on snickerdoodles, but whatever. Whatever. So it's VBS week all week. Actually, it's just Wednesday through Friday night, 6 through 8.30 um, here, and then there's a cookout celebration party on Saturday. Uh, I said earlier there'll be Hebrew, I mean, Romans 9 or whatever, 8, 9, somewhere in there on Wednesday, but I guess it's not. It's vacation Bible school, so it will not be the normal Bible class in here. Bring your one-word answers and stuff just to, just to terrorize whoever does teach that class. So, um, Graduation celebration has been moved to the 25th, so we'll do it for that. Um, food pantry, month of June, it's, we're looking for cans of tuna and things of tuna helper to offset the cost of food pantry so we can help the people in the, in the community. So we're looking for a bunch of tuna and a bunch of tuna helper. Like I said earlier, put Matt's name on every single can of tuna that comes in. Just to remind Matt how good tuna really is. So. <laughs> Um, appreciate the help of moving uh, Lois's furniture. We moved some of her furniture to a storage unit today. Um, that went pretty well. The uh, the big box we had to carry with the poles through the rings in it, I don't know really what was in it, but was heavy, so we're thankful to get that out of the way. Um, Betty Larner's having shoulder surgery on the 21st after her fall. Dennis Reichert fell, hurt, uh, injured his face. I think that delayed his eye surgery till that is uh, taken care of. Brenda Scott fell last night. She's not doing well. Uh, she's weak and uh, she misses the church. So keep Brenda in your prayers. Uh, next week, we're going to have guest speakers. Uh, Mike Shoemate is going to preach in the morning next week. He's going to do a Father's Day sermon in the morning. And John Fisher will speak next Sunday night. So both of those are always good. So come out next week and we'll hear them. And one more thing, Leah, Leah and Michael Robinson. Continue to pray for Leah. Uh, pray for Michael. Pray for Linda. Uh, they carry a lot of burden uh, being there with her in the hospital. Um, they have a GoFundMe set up to help with expenses. Uh, Michael's not able to work while he's there with her all the time. So if you're interested, there's a GoFundMe address in the bulletin. It's also online. Um, if you'd like to give directly, you can give a check. Just write it out to Michael. Uh, give it to Tucker Susan. Give it to Fran and Mike. Give it to Matt. Give it to one of the elders. We'll see to it that it gets to them help them out so to help them in their response covering their expenses um, during this crisis um, Susan has three cards out in the foyer right out on the table if you'd like to sign a card for Leah Michael or Linda they're out there in, on the table so uh, take a chance to write them a word of encouragement or just you know at least put your name let them know that we're thinking of them that we love them and we're praying for them I think that's it right now so Come out for Vacation Bible School. Remember to bring cookies, lots of cookies. Come with a good attitude. Uh, it'll be lots of fun. There'll be kids yelling and screaming, songs that we don't even understand what they're saying. But uh, it'll be a good time for all. So stay faithful. Uh, unlike the people that the word Malachi was for, do better than that. So until we meet again. Number four, we're in our closing prayer, if you're able. 
please stand as we sing, take the name of Jesus with you. First and last stanza. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it and where you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Oh, Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for all the many rich gifts in our lives because we know all good things come from Thee. We ask that you be with those that were mentioned earlier. Please give them back their much needed health. If it be Thy will, be with the ones that are tending to them. Give them the strength to be able to be there for the ones that are sick. Please be with the doctors. Let them figure out what's wrong and to be able to fix it so that we can receive them again really soon here with us. We ask that you go with the rest of us as we leave this place. Help us to stand up against the evil things in the world that try to knock us down. Try to keep us from the one and true path. Help us to be able to take what we've learned here this evening, prove it for ourselves, apply it to our lives so that we can live by every word that you have given us. Help us to be able to live well, live according to thy word, so that we can be a light unto the world. Because the way we live is so loud that they can't hear what we're saying. So we have to prove it in our actions. Keep us healthy, keep us safe until the next appointed time. We pray in Jesus Christ's holy name, amen.